They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. You wanted to know what the Matrix is, Neo? Trinity. to another episode of the Juan on Juan podcast. I'm your host, Juan. On this episode, we talk to Luke Williamson. He's been on the show a few times. On this episode, we cover various topics. Obviously, one of my favorites, ancient civilizations. We talk about ancient technology. We cover some unusual megalithic sites around the world in Egypt, Turkey, France, and different sections of the world. And we also talk about some of the enigmas in life and what happens after death etc etc just a little bit of everything me and luke sort of always freestyle it when we're when we have our conversations and our calls that we set up don't forget to check out luke's work on youtube enigmas of the ancient world and on instagram as well but without further ado this is reptilian overlords ancient civilizations and humanity with luke williamson okay and we are live welcome back to the show luke you are the Right now, the top contender. You've been on the show the most times than anybody else. <laughs> that's that's pretty funny, actually. Yeah, dude, I, I love our conversations. You're just a wealth of knowledge, and I gotta take advantage while you're still in the states to talk to you because just love the conversations that we have. I'm a I'm a wealth of 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 wandering. I wouldn't say knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of questions. 
Yeah, that's the thing with this sort of thing. Today we're going to be talking about uh, unusual megalithic structures around the world. Uh, we'll start with Egypt and work our way around. We'll talk about Turkey and just weird things that it's. Uh, you were telling me that you don't think that some of them are Homo sapien. What what what, what did you mean by that, Luke? Well, I mean we're all we're all humans in the family tree, but I I think I mean there's. There's pretty good evidence that uh, Neanderthals were building complex stone circles um, 170,000 more years ago. I mean, when we were around, too. I, I personally think that we learned about fire and toolwork, stonework from Neanderthals and possibly Cro-Magnons. And who knows, maybe Denisovans, too. It's becoming obvious almost every year that you know this planet was inhabited by a lot of human races that are no longer no longer here anymore, whether it's, you know, the the little people, the Florensiensis, or I can't, I forget the name of the, the, the sort of dwarf race. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, and then the, the Denisovans are interesting too, and although we don't have, we haven't found a skull, so it's hard to, to say, you know, how large they would be. It seems, you know, seems to be like they might be kind of shack, shack-sized some some indication that the Denisovans might have been naturally naturally larger than the average human and uh, Neanderthals certainly certainly were but Neanderthals got a really bad rap for a long time because there was a definite agenda to paint them as um ignorant you know sort of knuckle dragging uh Apes, beast, beasts much. yeah and they were actually very smart there and they're uh you know they had a, a complex uh, social relationship there's some indication that the, the men and the children actually lived together and the women traveled from tribe to, to tribe uh, in order to, you know, sort of uh, not develop inbreeding and things like that. So, it, But it was a little different from how, how we do it. There's evidence of a, a particular type of um, spear tip, uh, a technique which is uh, really counterintuitive and uh, – you know, scientists believe that archaeologists believe that that that's something that needs to be taught, and they they did that. We didn't do that. They had a much better technique for doing stuff like that, and uh, so their brain uh, capacity is actually larger than ours. And although you know the frontal area of their brain uh, was more compact because of the shape of their skull, it doesn't necessarily mean that they weren't smart. So uh, so yeah, cool. I, I think it's quite possible that a lot of the they're a lot stronger than we were. It's quite possible that a lot of, of the ancient megalithic construction or a fair amount of it could have been Neanderthal. What are your thoughts on Terence McKenna's stoned ape theory? Oh, I, I, I kind of like it. I mean, I read the, the book Food of the Gods when I was 19, I think, and it, it really kind of opened my mind to that idea of, you know, uh, apes in the, the wilderness, you know, coming back and, and achieving a greater understanding of life in the world. I mean, it's kind of a seductive idea. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe he's right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Cause again, it blows my mind. They throw around these figures, dude. Like I was listening to a video, Graham, he was on JRE mm. talking about how they found, uh, traces of humans or some sort of sapien being back uh, up to 130,000 years versus the traditional, what, 6,000 years or 12,000 years that they had uh, no, proposed? 
no, we're we we are now. Depending on, <clears throat> excuse me, depending on which area of the world you want to focus on. If you're going for the whole world, I think we're now getting pretty close. There's still like argument over it, but I think humans, sapiens, sapiens as we are now, current current form, uh, like 350, 400,000 years old. Really? Yeah. That's that's what it, it it from what I was reading up to like six months ago I haven't haven't really seen but <coughs> sorry every once in a while I see it come down to like two seventy and then someone else says one fifty but really I think we're we're getting close to you know we're gonna find more stuff and then what's it's that gonna be, what's it's that gonna be half number, a million though? years like what's that number though the 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 six thousand that they go back six thousand years advanced? six thousand six thousand years is our um our recorded history. We've been recording to whatever degree our current history for about 6,000 years. It doesn't really go back much further than that. I mean, India does, but we don't really, we don't really listen to them. And, uh, so, you know, six to 10,000 years maybe is all we, we have a vague, uh, memory of, but of course we've been in this form, you know, for at least 150,000 years and maybe as much as half a million years and maybe, maybe longer. I mean, I don't know. We don't, I don't, think all the evidence is in because we're still finding it obviously but it seems to suggest we're maybe up to a half a million years old and so i think that's one of the the most basic and convincing arguments in a way for uh, having a civilization we don't remember is that you know you're really expecting us to believe that humans lived in our current form as we are now without really developing or changing from you know running around throwing sticks at animals and plucking figs off of trees we didn't change for you know 395,000 years and then all of a sudden you know we're we're out there with agriculture and iron and steel and diamond tip tools and airplanes and and cell phones all in 6,000 years so it, it just seems much more likely to me that this planet's actually not entirely stable and uh, things are going to happen here that are going to you know cause mass extinction level events from time to time maybe every 20 50 100,000 years and then stuff's going to start over and you know humans we're pretty hardy we probably survived quite a few of these events i mean we're still here and then we come back and we start all over again i think it it seems to me almost obvious yeah, I I've been thinking about that lately because I've been <laughs> I just finished an episode on flat Earth or not flat Earth, uh, hollow Earth, right? And I'm gonna actually be have on Monday Monday night I'm doing an episode on flat Earth with Mark Sargent, which is he's like pretty much the spokesperson of flat Earth, and he's gonna be on the show. And we're going to talk flat. You know, I don't believe everything. I just, the whole reason I'm starting this podcast was to learn about different ideas. And again, I don't believe that you <clears throat> will know everything if you don't take a look at everything. Oh. You know what I mean? Oh, if yeah. you keep your mind on one thing only, how can you really say that you know the whole truth? I feel like you should look at all the possibilities and then decide for yourself. You know, there's a, a little bit of something interesting in almost every, you know, wild theory. And uh, for me, the, the, I mean, 
you know, I look up into space and the heavens and I've got, you know, I got a pretty good uh, camera. I can see the moon pretty well. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just aware that pretty much everything out there is, is a globe, <laughs> you know? So I, I'm not, I'm not too big on the, on the flat, flat earth theory, but the interesting thing that I think they do get into is they, they seem to always tie things into Antarctica and, you know, why mm-hmm. is it forbidden to go there and what's underneath the ice? Mm-hmm. And I think that is actually a, a good question. You know, what is going on with Antarctica? What is under the ice? Cause we have a lot of these, the Orientis Phineas map, uh, the Perry Reyes map. Mm-hmm. We have maps from, you know, way before we had a map of the globe that show a continent down there that is forested. It's not covered in ice. The ice is two miles thick, man. So, you know, what's going on or what was going on underneath that that continent? I mean, there could be all kinds of stuff there that would just be, you know, really interesting to, to explore. So the fact that it's everything's, you know, obviously it's very difficult to function and, you know, what, whatever down there with the, the weather. But, um, but you know, I, I when I was a kid, it seemed like we were always doing scientific stuff in these places and it was always being reported and we were trying to make now it seems like like it all information is just withheld like there's not much going on we're not doing anything there we haven't gone back to the moon and we're just not really talking about any of this stuff yeah and that's what blows my mind about why we want to because i was thinking about how many things there are probably for example egypt 85% 85% is still under the sand, lime rock, whatever. How many things are down there that we don't know about that could just potentially change everything that we've learned till today? You know what I mean? And yep. and it blows my mind that they want to go out to outer space and colonize other planets when we don't even understand our planet 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's the you same know? with... With the oceans, I think our technology for the oceans has to to get better. But uh, marine archaeology, I mean, it's really in its infancy. And I mean, there's over 250 sunken cities in the Mediterranean that we know of. Yeah, that's not the that thing. we don't know of. And then if you 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 look at if you say go back, you know, a couple thousand, five thousand, ten. If you look at maps and look at the, you know, how the water level has increased and decreased over periods of time, and then start thinking about you know, we were talking in the before you started recording about Karnak, not in Egypt, but the site in France with a C, Karnak, and mm-hmm. that's a, a lot of uh, megalithic stones in you know across the landscape uh, on the coast of France. And what a lot of people don't know is those stones continue out into the ocean, like three hundred thousands feet. of stones, right? Thousands yeah, and thousands of stones. Yeah, I don't know the exact number, but there's an awful lot of them. But they actually continue out into the ocean underwater for three hundred feet. Uh, so, you know, at what point was, if you figure out at what point that was above water, you at least have an idea of the last moment that those could have been, could have been put up by somebody. Yeah. Again, we don't even understand what's going on on our planet. Like you said, even at the bottom of the oceans and even lakes. I mean, we're finding stuff. It was in Minnesota where they found a stone circle with a, uh, bison head or a bison carved into the, and it's clearly like nobody could even ever deny it's that's not a, you know pareidolia that was clearly like a, a buffalo or something that had been carved into the side of the thing that lake's been you know that's been under under water for nine or ten thousand years they found what they found a carving on the they side found a of... stone a stone circle you know uh really 
uh, and one of the the blocks in the stone circle had a carving of a, a bison or a buffalo. I think that's what it was. I don't think it was a mammoth. Do you know anything about the Georgia Guidestones? What's all that about? I don't really know much about those, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly you know who who put those there with what agenda. I've heard that they're they might be fake. Okay, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe somebody did it as a joke. I don't. I have no idea. Like, I haven't ever seen any, um, even really, like a clear idea of who might have done it. You know, except the Illuminati or something. <laughs> So uh, I was watching a video today. I don't know if it was your video of Karnak that had the tallest obelisk standing right now in Egypt. It's a, yeah, it's the tallest freestanding obelisk in Egypt. Yeah. It's, it's obelisk. Let, can we talk about the unfinished obelisk at of Aswan yeah. in Egypt? Because yeah. that thing is crazy looking and it's giant. It is really crazy looking and it's it's huge and um there's actually two of them there uh, they they rarely tell you about the second one because the second one's uh, small two, two it's, pieces right yeah it's it's well it's one really remaining piece but the it i think uh the rest of it is snapped off and has been used quarried again but there's another one there that you can actually go because they don't let you go underneath uh the big one but you can you can go underneath the little one and see how the you know how the 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 scoopy cut marks go underneath. They come down from the the quarry wall, and then they curve on the quarry floor, and then they come up under the stone, and then out under the lip. Like it's like one continuous groove uh, or scoop, like on each. And it's like it it's corkscrew. It's not entirely straight, and on the uh, what you notice if you if you pay attention is on the other wall from on the side of the block there are these um long narrow marks like maybe three millimeters uh you know wide and you know three or four feet long where something very thin and hard has been pressed into the side of the obelisk really hard and it's almost like a like a a wedge for some kind of machine where they've like wedged it in so it stays in position while whatever is turned, you know, the machine goes down through underneath and comes back out. It's really interesting. And it, when you get underneath that thing, there's only about a foot in there. And, they, you know, they're telling you this is guys, you know, with stone balls, oh, you know, just what? pounding over and over again in a repetitive, you know, movement with this stone, you know, stone ball. And, uh, there's just all kinds of things all over that. There's evidence of every kind of coring technique, but later, middle, early, and unknown at that site. So it's a really interesting site because you can compare all of them. And you know, they, the Egyptologists have a, a really hard time coming up with a good explanation for that stuff. They, they pretty much just try to, oh, they had beer and they had blankets. They were happy and they just, you know, they used these stones and they might have put some water and grit in there to, you know, increase the uh the friction and and that's how they did it and and yet they have what they call test pits there which are uh you know shafts that go down into the granite bedrock it's like a lot of the surface granite's no good uh it's you know been on the surface for too long it fractures too easily so you've got to get down you know maybe 11 13 meters into the granite to get 
a really large piece. Like the ass, mm. like the obelisk is massive. But even if you're not yeah. going that big, you still have to go down pretty deep to get one piece with no flaws. It's 137 feet and it yeah. weighs 1,200 tons. 1,200 tons. Wow. Yeah. And so. You know, it's again. It's like the Yangshan Quarry. It's like the stones at Baalbek. You know, how are they? How are they planning on moving this? Because that twelve hundred. Let me finish about the test pit. Anyway, these test pits go down into the ground, sometimes that far, eleven meters or more. And yet, uh, you can see that this rotating, these rotating uh, scoop rings all the way down, like uh, horizontal, all the way down this test. Like pit. a big ass drill, just going. Yeah, it looks down. like. Yeah, if the drill like, because each one of the 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 rotate the grooves is like maybe nine or ten inches, something like that, and so it's big, whatever it is, and it's just like they rotate it and then they they push down and they rotate it and they push. I I, I don't know what it is. Anyway, that pit or some of those pits are so small that uh, you if you stood in it, you would have that ball pressed to your chest. And then you'd be trying to turn with that thing. There'd be like, and then how do you even start? Like, because if you're in the hole, your feet are going to be where you need to have that ball. So are you hanging upside down in there? Or do they have like (laughs) some kind of lathe, like, you know, mobile lathe that they're using that's hooked up something where they're like, I don't know what they're using. Maybe they found a way to... You know, just like a lot of people say, they soften the stone, you know, doing this or doing that. And I, I don't know. I just, I see a lot of very odd marks. And that's one of the places, too, where you see marks that look kind of like troweling. And I'm not a big fan of the geopolymer theory in, in Egypt because a lot of the really old stuff is... What is uh, that? Can you explain that? Well, like poured, like a lot of people believe that the, the pyramids, it's... Uh, they're not stone blocks that were carved out of a limestone quarry. They're, you know, they're they were ground down and and made into, you know, like a cement or, and then poured. Really. And then, but you know, every every pretty much every block in that pyramid is a different size. Yeah, but either so way, the vast size of of just the operation alone. It's ridiculous because you the molds probably have had to be made out of wood, and I don't think you really have enough wood for that many molds. And then it's just uh, you know there's fossils in a lot of uh, the stone, which would suggest that it's actually real stone, not you know. And and there's tool marks on it, so if you've poured it in a mold, why would you then need to chisel it? You know, there's a lot of I mean, I'll get a lot of people angry because there's a lot of people who are really super. Uh, pro geopolymer the only stuff i've really seen that to me looks like geopolymer is is puma punku but i'm probably wrong about that there has been a, yeah. a, a like a, a recent study done on puma punku uh regarding geopolymers that's you know they're saying no it is geopolymer i that's another weird place uh, too oh yeah it's beyond weird so th- they say that this obelisk was never finished because the the they believe the builders may have been violently interrupted well, there's, you know, they didn't finish it because it, <laughs> it cracked. And then, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons that the official story for for why there's only the one that's that size is that they, they were going to build that for Hatshepsut, which I believe is, is – I just think this is left over from the earlier time because the Nastic Egyptians weren't capable 
of of moving something and erecting something. There's no clear path to the river from that. How are you going to get that out of there? I mean, it's just it's outrageous. There's there's anyway. Um, so the story they tell you is that they were making that for Hatshepsut, and then it, it fractured. And Hatshepsut got upset with them and said, look, you know, what are you guys doing? This is embarrassing. Get your shit together. Only make realistic-sized obelisks from now on. What's, so the, one, what what's the size of the one in your video? Uh, Hatshepsut's obelisk, uh, it weighs about 400 tons, I think. And that is, is all one piece, but it's, it's narrow. What is it, like a uh, – I don't know how tall it is offhand. I can't remember. Let me, how do you spell it so I can look it up real quick? Uh, H-H-A-T-S-H-E-P-S-U-T. Obelisk. Hatshepsut. Yeah, Karnak. Yeah, that's a weird place, man. It is. There's a lot of weird stuff there, and it, it you know, it's a it's a very old site. The 28 uh, meters, so... 28 meters. See, there's that 28 meters again. Like, it's a very important mean? length, like... Um, 28 meters is the depth of the shaft underneath the Step Pyramid of Zoser. 28 meters is the depth of the shaft at uh, Zoyat El Aryan. 91 it's the, feet. It's the depth of the shaft at um, Abu Rawash. Like they, 28 meters, like whatever that is in cubits, they did that over and over again uh, with important objects and places. Really? I'm seeing that extraction that you're talking about. They have an illustration of it here. Yeah. The extraction. Yeah, I actually have a video on on uh, Aswan Quarry where, like, you know, I take my my video camera down underneath that thing, and and Yusuf like talks about like, <laughs> what is this thing that does this? Because you know, it's funny. You know, he knows all all the traditional techniques. He demonstrates some of them, and uh, you know, it's hard to buy that that stuff. They've had that same test piece there with a piece of granite, and so it's a poor quality piece of granite with these uh, you know dolerite pounding stones and that thing like it's doesn't look any different than it did 30 years ago it's had tourists coming in and like banging on it with that stone every day it looks the same as it did 30 years ago but that's how they did it <laughs> you know? jesus man crazy that's that's so crazy uh, uh you know i i heard about i heard an argument the other day i was i forgot what i was watching that if these people were so advanced why didn't they use metals but what's your take on that like because some of these places uh and they're in karnak i think what it was they lined some of this stuff with uh copper was it because you get the the patina on the copper they did it at at a lot of the old sites the um like abu sir is one of the best places to see that uh some of the columns have fallen over and the hieroglyphs are really deep in the stone and they had you know significantly thick pieces of, of copper set into the the hieroglyphs and when those were looted you know it left it had like centuries of oxidization which is still in the stone it's really cool to look at yeah. but yeah i mean the egyptians did use um you know bronze and 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 what have you but i think maybe you're asking if like the civilization that you know we we don't remember how come they didn't use you know, maybe they did to a certain degree. There's other things that were extremely effective and hard, like obsidian. I think it just kind of really depends on what your needs were. Also, if you have a different understanding and capability with uh, sound, uh, you know, this I've had engineers uh, tell me that they they think uh, some of this stuff was done 
uh, with water jets, the Egyptians had found a way to, you know, create like high pressure water that would, you know, could cut through stone. Quite that would fit. make sense. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of theories out there. There are definitely ways to do things without, you know, requiring, uh, you know, metal to do it. Um, and I, I sometimes wonder, you know, we look at, we find creatures and I remember learning in school that, you know, creatures are smaller today than they were a million years ago because there's a lot less oxygen in the air. I remember, you know, like these creatures and 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 what have you could grow to a much greater size or something. I, I don't know if that's true, but I just saw something uh, the other day about somebody who found arm, fossilized armadillos. Uh, and I saw the pictures of these things and, you know, they're like the size of baby elephants. I mean, they're massive. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, you know, uh, things used to be bigger. And so if if the rules were different in terms of, you know, the gas, you know, however our air and oxygen and whatever, you know, we live in here, whatever the ratios are between them, if that does something, I don't know. I'm not enough of a scientist to figure it out. Are you trying to get out. at that because the conditions were different? They could do different things. Maybe they could do different things. Maybe, though, they just had – maybe also, you know, the earth is – if you look at what the Indians and and the ancient Egyptians and, you know, a lot of the old cultures are saying, you know, there's always like these five ages and that the world, you know, goes through and repeats these five ages like over and over again. And and some of those ages are much better for energy and understanding and clarity – than others that's just and it's like this cyclical thing and uh and maybe there's some truth to it i mean you know we tend to think of what i was always taught in school was that uh you know when the ancestors came up with explanations like this it was because they didn't know so they just made it up and the more i look at this stuff i'm like that sounds like an explanation you came up with because you didn't know so you made it up yeah but there's always some truth to it just like every legend and every myth yeah. and everything there's always a little bit of truth to it and like you said if they didn't understand it okay maybe they might have exaggerated because they didn't know what it was but there's still there I was think, still something that they didn't understand yeah i think also you know there are ways of explaining things that other people wouldn't understand in you know sort of allegorical form i think laird scranton is a really good author for this he's written a, a couple of really interesting books um the science of the dogon Oh, dude, those those people are crazy. Yeah, and and when he goes through, and I mean, they use a hieroglyphic writing system, and uh, it hasn't because they never never developed a different writing system. It hasn't changed, and a lot of the hieroglyphs are similar to Egyptian hieroglyphs. And through the work of the two French French anthropologists who spent over twenty years with the tribe, uh, and produced, uh, you know, some books. Yeah, but did you see? Do you do you know the story behind those people? I do. I, mean, I do. But uh, but Scranton hypothesizes that that the the science of creation and matter is all explained within uh, their histories in the hieroglyphs. If we go deeper, if we don't take the surface explanation, and we go deeper into the stories, we can see. And it's it's really fascinating, and it makes me wonder if a lot of these books, like 
the book of the duat and uh, the book of the gates, uh, whether some of this isn't, you know, knowledge concealed within, uh, you know, surface level writings. I could, I could, I could see the Egyptians inventing that. Quite honestly, what are you trying to get at, Luke? Like a Kashic records type thing? Like, a... well, I, I mean, it's, it's, we've done this in the Western culture. We did it for centuries. There were teachings that were always forbidden, whether it was by the church or uh, by mm-hmm. the government. And yet, like magic, yeah, magic, alchemy, you know, whatever it would be, yes. uh, things that that were considered to to only be possible maybe with magic. That now with technology, you know, we can do, and some we can't. Well, but let me in let order me, let... in order to you you couldn't teach it, you couldn't talk about it. So how do you study it? Well, you have to hide that knowledge in plain sight so that other initiates go, oh, yeah, this is what he's really – and then they can share however however that works out. So were the Egyptians doing that with some of their writings? I can tell you for sure that there isn't even a complete hieroglyphic dictionary. There's still stuff on the temple walls that isn't in any dictionary. So you know, the, like to, to even pretend that we have a clear idea – I mean they use no punctuation. And a lot of their language is based on combination of symbols and which one comes where and which way it's facing. And are, is this these three together or is it these three together and those the next two together? Are those all together or is it just one and four? Or And, and every meaning is different. And so literally the ways to – they come up with their, you know, their happy medium of what they think something is saying. But there is literally limitless – other interpretations of what's being written on the wall. Sounds like the Bible. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, just like that's the thing you don't you don't really know, and then how do you know if somebody's not uh, translating it the wrong way? Right. You well, know what I mean? That's the problem with all the ancient literature is that when you want to study it, you have to study it in your own language, which nowadays is English or German or you know, mm-hmm. French or something. And but the original so translation was Greek or something, you know, and, and then they and had it was to a Greek. It was a Greek writing of something else, you know, and it's yeah. Like every time <laughs> something is lost or misconstrued or misunderstood, and then that's you know that's developed on. And it's, you know, the further away you get from the original, it's, you know, like bad Xerox copies, which people can't read stuff, so they start filling it in. So so back to the Dogon, right? Yeah. Because that, that tribe yeah. is very, very fascinating. They, again, that's why I, that, that just reinforces the Anunnaki theory. I know you don't like that theory, but... I just don't like Sitchin. Luke, uh, you know, Luke I, not, who the fuck were the nomos that gave them this knowledge? And then mm-hmm. you're talking about these forbidden practices, right? We, we see this. We see this in the book of Enoch. We see this in, in, in the book of Genesis. You know, the Nephilim, the fallen angels that were teaching man how to, uh, what they call it, the science of herbs, the science of, of roots, uh, black magic, necromancy, all this stuff. Mm. Uh, and it's true what you said because... What we do now, a lot of the things that we do now, what, what me and you are doing right now, we're talking through something. It's it's magic. If we were to do this shit back in the 14th century or something like that, we'd be burned at the stake because we're witches or some crazy, you know, during the Dark right. Ages or something. Because it, it it's magic, you know, it, it's it is magic what we're doing, and 
What are your thoughts on the uh, the Tibetan monks that move stones with uh, with the sound, the acoustic levitation? Honestly, I think sound is the key to just about everything. Um, I think everything originates from sound, and everything will go back to sound. You know, everything is just vibration. And yeah, I think I think I think the possibilities are, are limitless. And I mean, just like, I remember a couple years ago, I was seeing college students who uh, who did this you know, decided to see if they could put out fire with sound. And they figured out, they thought it was going to be high frequencies, turned out to be bass frequencies. But mm-hmm. these guys were able to put out grease fires in a kitchen with like five seconds of, of a really low frequency sound wow. fire fire out. And that's just one application. You know, cymatics is really interesting. There's a lot, there's so much, because we talked about this uh, the other time, how, how we perceive a really small oh, yeah. range of everything that's out there. Uh, visually and, and 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 orally and it, yeah i i think absolutely is that you're talking about the story of the monks that would sit like in a semicircle and they would they would <laughs> chant like a, a, one note yeah, or something yeah. to that effect or a combination of notes yeah. and in the direction of a block and then they would be able to move that block yes i that... mean it sounds it sounds completely crazy but i you know i'm at the point where i wouldn't wouldn't doubt that it's possible so um, we started to wrong. figure out how to be able to move things with sound. They're just really small at the moment, but we'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got quantum, you know, you got quantum physics doing magic. <laughs> uh, you know, you have quantum entanglement making stuff like that. Yeah. Happen. Um, but w- which is the chamber in the pyramid of Giza? Where is it? The queen's chamber where that box is there? Yeah. Uh, well, there's the box um, is in the king's chamber. The, the king's chamber. chamber. The queen's yes. chamber, though, has um, it has a uh, a shape in it in the back corner, which is like an amplifier shape, like the way it works. It's, uh, Luke, what do you what what? Because I know that you when you lay in there, how is it when you lay in there? How does that feel? Because I know you feel like the frequency. Like, tell what? you something. What it's, is that? Man? I mean, it's cool. It's cool just just to lie in there, and you know, I did it when I was a kid, and then I did it again in in 2015, and then I did it. I've done it a couple times recently. I've laid in a lot of boxes, but um, we had the the private permission uh, for that, so we were in there by ourselves for with yeah, one guy, you know, making sure we weren't doing anything crazy, uh, and we were in there for you know two hours. And um, I lay in that box, and Yusuf knows what the frequency is. He leaned into that box down by my feet, and he hummed a low frequency, and that entire box just vibrated around me like madness. Like, I almost couldn't stand it. It was so intense. <laughs> and he, he wasn't doing much, but, like, I, I started to get kind of uncomfortable after less than a minute of being in that box with that, that vibration. I, uh, I, so I, I didn't, you know. it, that's the thing, man. Like I did an episode with, with, uh, this guy from Skinwalker Ranch, Ryan Burns. Mm. And he started talking this stuff that blew my mind. Have you ever heard of the haplo group X, that gene anomaly that people have that it traces back to like, Europe and like all these crazy ancient places 
I've heard Very. of it. I, I don't know much about it. So I'm, st- I'm researching. I know there's right a now. lot. There's a lot of that RX negative blood group. Yeah. Blood so, of the gods thing going around too. Yeah. So so, I'm currently researching it, but it's like, what if these people, for example, like the Mayans, that they just disappeared out of nowhere? What if they were able to achieve this state of consciousness because of their genetic makeup, and just leave this realm, or like even the Egyptians, like laying in that box. Mind you, let's say like when the pyramids were brand new, brand spanking new, brand new pyramid smell, that they were working, doing whatever it was that they had them doing for whatever reason. And let's say that when they laid in that box, they were able to shoot up that shaft and <laughs> go into the stars or something, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I yeah. What? I mean, you could imagine that it might be something like you know a Star Trek teleporter thing, where you lay in the box and all your molecules just Ooh. like vibrate and then like shoot up the shaft and reassemble wherever. That's so. But maybe wonderful. only at certain times of the year. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about what, Mercury. You were, what you were saying, or Venus, or something like that before the episode started. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely felt my molecules you know disassemble and then come back together so uh, you know maybe it's possible yeah that's, that's the thing man like we i don't think we'll ever know dude unless we in, eventually invent some sort of time machine to go back in time and and see these people at work dude how fascinating that would be because that just it's one of those things that just about everybody i know who's into this stuff has had that conversation with me at some point <laughs> and even even yusuf and we were standing out somewhere and i was like i was like god damn it i'm just i'm gonna build a fucking time machine and he stopped and he looked around and he goes brother you better fucking call me <laughs> if you yeah. figure that shit out. like don't go and not take me i had a friend of mine who was like oh you know what about the observer effect? And I was like, bro, shut up, man. You know, just... Who knows how that would work? You could bring out all the greatest theorists in the world to tell you why it would work or not work. And nobody knows. Nobody knows. Yeah, you got a Nobel Peace Prize if you figure that shit out. Oh, that's that's what I need. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I need one of those so I can sell it in five years for health care. Yeah. You know, for my kidney transplant. Jesus, man. I wanted someone who just won like a Nobel Peace Prize. Like he had to, he couldn't. He ended up selling it for like nine hundred thousand dollars in his house, so he could treat his cancer or something. Really? That's Welcome crazy. to America. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was I talking to about that? About oh yeah, I think I was talking about the coronavirus and mm. all this craziness happening right now in the He's world. All, all these five G theories are coming out now. It's five G. And I was like, what yeah. about the boats? And then they're like, dude, they've got 5G satellite beamed at that thing all the time. At the, what do you mean the boats? The people that they're keeping offshore? Yeah, yeah on the cruise ships. Because I was yeah. like, how, you know, if it's, I'm like, if it's 5G, how are the cruise ship people getting it? Like, I can't even check my fucking email, you know? <laughs> like, I'm well, on the Nile. I can't even check my email. How are those guys got thing. it? And then they're like, no, no, we've got, and they show the ad for the cruise ship. And they're like, our new 5G system. And it has like pictures of the satellite just enveloping like the ship in this purple oh. fucking cone of death. Before we got on the show, I was actually, I have a friend of mine who works on cell towers, right? right. And he installs 5G. And so. The birds um, dying or the bees dying? The what? 
the birds dropping dead around the bees dying around it? Like, what's well, he saying? Here's the thing. So check it out. So uh, we're going to be doing an episode on a, on another podcast, a, a friend of, of of ours on Sunday, right? So he was like, but I told him, I said, dude, no conspiracies, right? <laughs> the guy doesn't want conspiracies because we're just like we every time we come on, we're always talking about conspiracies, and. So he texts me and he goes, okay, so I have to debunk the 5G conspiracy. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, 5G is safe. And these are text messages. I can go more in depth on Sunday if you want. He's like, you're getting more harm from UV rays than you would 5G. Gamma rays or x-rays are even more harmful than 5G. And I go, I put, LOL, he doesn't want conspiracy. He goes, oh, for sure. Well, I'll just tell you because I finished the podcast y'all did. 5G isn't harmful in any way. I got cooked. He's telling me this. He's like, <laughs> 5G is not harmful, but I got cooked by a 4G antenna I was standing two feet away from because I'm a dumbass. 5G is a non-ionizing wave frequency. Can't penetrate the skin. 4G can go through your skin and cook you from the inside out, yet still non-ionizing. I replied back. I said, bro, dot, dot, dot. Fuck 5G. Fuck all the Gs. That shit is bad for you. I literally replied that. He goes, LMAO, but you like that service, though. He's like, the, the sun is worse yeah, for you. Yeah. And I go, fuck it all. And then he just, he's going off. And I'm like, dude, it can't be good for you, dude. Uh, um, I, I'm, I'm interested in what, because I don't know, but I'm interested in what, what he would cite as proof of that. Because I watched the congressional uh, hearing on 5G when they asked, like, everybody. They, they were like six dudes from, you know, who were responsible for 5G, like, across the board. And the congressman was asking him, like, so what health testing and what safety testing have you done? Have any studies been done on <laughs> the potential effects on humans? We get faster you know, download this? speeds. And they were like, no, like they, none, none of them were aware of any study that had been done at any time in the history of 5g on whether it's safe. So like, maybe it is safe, but I don't know how I know. No, no, that's, that's the thing, Luke. That's the problem. That's the problem. Luke. that, there's all this stuff going on around us that we can't confirm. Like, okay, is, you said you said everything around. You said this is what you said at the beginning of the episode that you believe everything is a globe. But guess what, Luke? You can't confirm that because you've never been to space. I haven't been to space. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is something that we're taught from the very beginning. We're indoctrinated with it, and we don't know anything else. That's just yeah. like you know, we don't know anything else, so we can't. When somebody asks, I know one thing for sure, and I've said this before, that I don't know shit. That's what I know. Well, you know, like we used to talk about this was the, uh, they used to call it the information age, you know, when all this stuff started happening. And, and where we are now is we're in the disinformation age. And the reason that happened is because governments realized that they could no longer control the release of information. It just travels oh, yeah. too fast with social it media. Got and out of so their for hands. years, for years, they were actually caught with their pants down, like across the board, and, and shit happened. And and then of course we've had all the security pushback. But as they tried and failed to gain control of the internet, they were they were kind of forced to go with uh, with a different tactic, which is just flood the you know the internet with as much information <laughs> as possible, most of which is garbage, but which contains yeah. nuggets of truth. Yeah, that's the important part because you got to have enough truth. To pull people in, but now and then you can destroy them with all the bullshit that's attached around that truth. But now it's conspiracy. Yeah. 
And now, like <laughs> now, nothing sorry. now nothing about that is true because other things that they've inserted in there. And it's brilliant. That's what they've been doing with UFOs and and whatever for for a long time. And now they're doing it just with with all information. And I, I mean, it, I don't I don't know whether that? any of those UFO crashes are legit. I I have, I have no idea. But you know the there was a very definite um, development of the way to deal with that was to uh, ridicule, aggressively ridicule uh, whoever you know even talked about it. So you can't even have a discussion. And that those are the issues that I start paying attention to are what are what are the the things that you talk about today when as soon as you start talking about them, like you get screamed down, like even if you're just asking questions. You know, and that's one of them. And vaccines is another one. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's an awful lot of bad shit that's in. Like, I think vaccines are a good idea. I just don't know if the way we've actually implemented them is safe and healthy. And well, I, I remember being a kid and not and having to get some vaccines. But like now, how many do you have? Like in the first five years of, of life, it's unbelievable. Like how my much son just turned two. My, my son just turned two. I took him to the doctor yesterday. Right. I haven't had you're supposed to get your flu vaccine once a year. I haven't had my flu vaccine in I don't know how many years, right? And they wanted to give it to him there. And I don't okay, they say it's what it is, but I don't know what's in those syringes, right? So they're like, "Oh, hey, um he doesn't have any vaccines today, but uh we can give him the flu shot." And I looked at my fiance and I and I the doctor was there and I nodded my head no. And she was like, "No, we're going to go ahead and not." And I was like, I looked at her and when the doctor left, I was like, I haven't gotten my flu shot in years. I, I rarely get sick and I don't know what they're putting into him because wh every, why every year, you know, and this is, and then the conspiracy now is I've, I've, that they're injecting nanotechnology into people and all this weird, uh, AI driven technology. I you know, I don't know about any of that, but I do know, like, I mean, if you've seen that interview with, uh, what was his name? Uh, he's a professor. His last name begins with S. He's literally, he's like Sorkin. What is his name? He's like the father of, of vaccines. And it was just like a court case where they were asking him, like, you know, is this in, uh, okay, is there like fetus remains from like, you know, is there stuff from monkeys that had this disease that can be transferred to humans, but it's in this virus? Yes. You know, are there, are there fetal remains like in this that are being? Yes. It's just like the amount of shit in there that I'm what? like, that is not fucking, that is not necessary. And this is the guy who's like the father of vaccines talking about What did you say it. that I'll had send, what I'll in there? You, I'll send you the link later. Like weird can, shit in, in the vaccines? Yeah. I mean, in addition to the, you know, the usual shit, the mercury and, you know, whatever else, there's some other stuff. There's a lot of, um, you know, animal viruses, obviously, because they're, they're trying to protect us against something, but. Uh, the way they do it sometimes uh, apparently is, you know, with with animal viruses that we don't have that we could, you know, apparently causes problems. But I'm not an expert. I don't really want to get into it because I'm going to start <laughs> waffling because I don't have the details in front of me. Yeah. I've, uh, no, but I've, I believe you, dude. Because... I've seen enough to have questions. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, because I I'm in Florida, right? And. The other day I went camping and I was hearing weird noises while I was camping, right? And so just for the fuck of it, while I was in my tent, because I was reading this, I was reading a book and I think the book was making me paranoid because I kept hearing these noises. But I'm in Florida, so anything is possible in Florida, right? Yeah, no shit. Again, 
when you have these these areas of land that are acres and acres of just swamp and acres and acres of forest on meth with a shotgun everything you don't know so anything yeah so i for the fuck of it while i was there the little bit of signal that i had because that's another thing when once you're when you're out in the country dude you the air is different you sleep differently there is different because they're not fucking pumped in the air of all this shit so the little signal that i had i googled for the hell of it It was like fucking three in the morning and i couldn't i couldn't sleep because i was freaked out and i googled uh is there monkeys in florida and there's fucking monkeys in florida dude in central florida there's monkeys but uh, to relate to the subject that you were just talking about these monkeys they're they're called reese's macaques there's they're like uh to this i don't know where they're indigenous they're invasive here but i don't know where they're from uh, these monkeys, 20% of the population has a type of herpes that's very harmful and super contagious to, yeah. to people. So they're attacking. So it's a problem here because they're attacking people who go see them in Central Florida. Right. And they're biting them. They're scratching them, the people. And about 20% of those people that get infected with this this, this strain of herpes die. Oof. And that's so, yeah, it's... Go. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Killed it's... by the monkey herb. Wow. <laughs> you know, every time I think, you know, I've been through some shit, then like I'm like, yeah, actually, I haven't been through shit. Yeah, then you hear that. It's like somebody out there's got some war stories. Oh yeah. So so yeah, so it blew my mind that we had monkeys and then it blew my mind that they're like these herpy infested monkeys that kill you by scratching you and you can get infected by them. Uh you know what I mean? So it's a lot of, you know, it's like, yeah. but with the, those, are, those are the standard, like, ex, you know, test monkeys, I think the rhesus monkey. That's I, don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. So it, some guy released them back in, I don't know when, like the eighties or something like that. And he, he had them for his private. <laughs> so he released them on his private Island to try oh, and Jesus. get them to breed and, you know, be like an exotic getaway or whatever. But then he didn't realize that the monkeys could swim. So he brought six of them, released them. The fucking monkey swam out of the island and went into Florida. And then he brought six more, and those six left, and they swam away. That's so (laughs) So, funny. So then they started repopulating and just populating. populating. And now it's a problem here in in Central Florida. And the government's like, people are freaking out because it's like, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, it's, I've, I've heard stories of like, you know, if, if you would go get tested for HIV, they would ask you, are you homosexual? Like before. Yeah. And it's like, if you answered yes, they would say that you had it. Or then if you answer no, then they would probably leave you alone. You know what I mean? Type of, that type of stuff. Because, yeah. again, it's all about money. You know, the pharma, the, the pharma they, they've caught so many pharmaceutical companies paying uh people and doctors to refer to them to, oh, yeah. you know for you know they were getting kickbacks all the time they find yeah. it all the time yeah. and it's like the shit that they're giving you is so much well, that's what you know that's when we get into psychedelics uh, the shit that they're giving you is so much worse than what it's treating and then the the resi- the, the residual effects uh that it has the side effects are so much worse than what you you know what i mean like uh antidepressants and all this stuff highly addictive oh, they're horrible uh, yeah, they're just yes. horrible. My dad's in the hospital right now because he had a flare-up for his MS. And uh, they were giving him Ambien. Ambien fucks people up, dude. Yeah, yeah, it does. 
Right now they're pumping him. I don't know full of what. He's like, man, I can't. He's like, my blood sugar's through the roof. I can't sleep. Uh, I feel weird. And it's to treat his quote unquote MS, you know. Wow. And they're just pumping him full of something. It's, oh, it's a, oh, it's a steroid. It's to treat the thing. But then it's fucking your liver up, fucking your oh, kidneys I, up. Uh, yeah, I watched, yeah, I watched my dad go through all the chemo, and it wasn't the cancer that killed him. I mean, it would have eventually, but you know, it was all the shit they put in his body to try to kill cancer that killed him. And I watched my mom go through her post-cancer treatment and all of the horrible side effects she gets from the medication. And they'll, you know, they'll bitch about it, but they'll switch you off to something else, which does something else equally fucking horrible. It's so like, both your parents had cancer? Wow. And my aunts, uh, both my aunts. And so uh, my here's cousin. the thing, Luke. Like, <laughs> I've heard of people who. My grandmother. Both my wow. grandmothers. I heard of people who don't take treatment survive. And then the people who take treatment have a 50 50 chance. You know, I was in Holland recently. I was talking to a friend of mine who actually was a friend of my dad's, came to my dad's funeral in Holland. And I, I hadn't seen her since. It was really nice to, to see her. And, uh, and her father had died since I'd seen her of cancer. And, wow. you know, so, you know, I know what it's like, so commiserated for a minute. And then she said, you know, I've been thinking about it. And, and I said, and if you get cancer, you're not going to take the medicine. And she goes, yes. Wow. And and I knew, I knew what she was going to say before she said it. And cause I've had exactly the same thoughts. I've seen it and I'm like, you know, I'll try some alternative shit. And I, and then I'll go if it's my time to go. Yeah. Really? Yeah, man. I'm not. I'm not doing that shit. I'm not hooking myself up to a pod and pumping poison into me that turns everything I taste into ash and and saps my my fucking enjoyment of any fucking moment. Yeah, because it just destroys people, and that's the thing. And I've talked about this before. Mindset is such a crazy thing, and I feel that before people knew that they had something, if they really truly do have something. I feel they go quicker when they know about it versus when they didn't know about it. My dad fought really hard. They gave him two weeks, and he lasted two years. He didn't. He he wasn't interested in giving up. But he was he was a big guy. My dad was six two, but he was really broad. I mean, I once saw him pick up an upright piano. He's a really strong man. And um, when he died, he was under fifty kilos. You know? Wow! I mean, that's a that, hundred that, pounds. Yeah, it was kilos, 2.2 pounds, something like that. So he was, yeah, he was right around 100 pounds. Wow. It was just, yeah. I, was, I was able to, to carry him from the bathroom and put him in bed. That's fucking wild, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's horrible. I can't imagine. Uh, I mean, my dad's going through this now, and, and the reason he went is because he couldn't see out of his fucking right eye. Mm. And so, and the thing, you know, he went to optometrist or whatever the hell they're called and it wasn't a it wasn't an eye issue it's like no dude it's right it's your brain you know it's your Fuck. body attacking itself and it affects you know the brain that's the thing we don't know so many things about the world or about our bodies and the the brain you know this 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 big slab of meat that we don't even know how it works you know, when we operate people, open brain surgery, we literally have them doing stuff to make sure that we don't fuck their brain up. 
Like, I, th- I think a lot of stuff is actually, a lot of these things come from like chronic inflammation that we're not even really aware of. And I think that's one of the reasons that things like ayahuasca really work very well for people is they, they really just clear your system of all these kind of, you know, toxins and uh, blockages and inflammations. And that's, I think that is a, a significant cause of, of why people do really well with stuff that has been resistant to traditional med. I know somebody who had uh, something called candida and they'd done everything they could to get rid of that. How's that? Uh, it's like, it's some kind of sugar related fungus that lives in your body and you know, does un- unpleasant things. Really? Um, I haven't had it, so I don't, don't know a lot about it, but, uh, but she took ayahuasca three times and she didn't have candida anymore but her doctors couldn't get rid of it i mean it's not i'm not pushing anything as a cure for anything you know there's a lot of people who go for last minute you know last minute shot of curing something and yeah i mean one of the shamans that i drank with what 11 times he just you know his kidneys eventually failed him and he died last year may he rest in peace i mean it's not it's a lot of people promote it as as like a healing cure-all which it's which is really not, but it can do a lot for you in, in other ways, and it really cleans your system out. Man, this stuff is fucked up. It's like a yeast infection. Yeah, it's some kind of yeah, it's some kind of yeast infection that's in you know an internal thing. <laughs> Apparently, it can be really hard to get rid of. Wow, that's. Yeah, I think it has to do with sugar as well. It's like a, and we're so sugar addicted. That's probably the number one addiction in in America. Probably. Is well, they've sugar. compared it to cocaine. They've compared, uh, you know, processed sugar to to cocaine, mm. and it's it, it. You're right, and I lately I don't know. Um, I've been eating like shit this past week, and I I, I try to drink as much water as I can, but you know yeah, I, I I had my son's birthday, you know, I ate cake, uh, soda, and I usually don't right. do that that much, and I don't I don't eat, you know, I've cut out fast food. Cause I just that stuff just drains you. Yeah, I haven't you know. eaten fast food since 2013. <laughs> so it's that. Not only that, but it's a it's a money pit, dude. You you know, uh, I, I yeah. was one time in my life where I was spending like three hundred dollars a week in food. You know what I mean? A week, and, yeah. and like just eating out all the time. I was like, man, I can't keep doing this. So, you know, I I slowly cut it out, started cooking at home and stuff. But it's just sometimes you're just so tired. Oh yeah. And you like, just don't want to do and anything. And sometimes I cook for myself all the time. Sometimes I'm just like, I, I don't want to cook. I don't want to cook. I just, I just don't want to cook. And other times I'm really into it. So it just, it just depends. But yeah. No, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really do that. And it, I'm actually on day 59 of no carbs, no sugar. So Really? I, yeah. I, can't, I couldn't do the low-carb diet, dude. It's just I feel like I have zero energy. It's because you're not eating enough fat. Fat? If you do like a no carb or super low carb diet, you need to eat fat. So, you know, like foods that have a high fat, like you cook with butter, like eat a lot of cheese, uh, eat bacon, eat meats that have like a higher fat content. Because what happens is your body burns carbs for fuel. And then when there's no carbs to burn for fuel, it has to burn fat. So you're just, you know, you're just burning your fat. And so you, you feed yourself the fat to keep burning it so it doesn't start burning the carbs yeah it's the whole it's the premise of the keto thing but you don't even have to go super hard keto but if you have no energy like you know 
I've heard keto is bad for you, though, too. Well, you know, is it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, you know, I know vegetarians who drop dead. And we yeah, all and die. I've, you know, vegans, just, dude. Vegans look like uh, heroin addicts. They, they look sickly. I, I would like to not eat anything that was alive. Like that, that would just be amazing. And so I, you know, I don't know how that works. But, um, but yeah, everything, everything is alive. And I, I think plants are actually conscious too. I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That's know. the thing. I think we should so, eat people. The plants and animals are fine. <laughs> I'd like to promote cannibalism. Let's get rid of some of these people. Yeah. So, uh, I think it was, uh, hold on, let me, my fiance sent me this thing. Uh, dude, the, the Florida man at work. Let me read it to you. Uh, it was a headline. Let me see here. It says, <laughs> this is in Orlando. Another horse stolen. Slaughtered for meat in Florida. <laughs> look, this is, look, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in Greece, which is where my dad lived. And his house, there's now my house. So I, I go there. And um, it's, a, it's a small island on the roads where the Colossus used to be once upon a time and um you know there's a there's a pretty good donkey trade on the island because they um they take people on donkey rides uh, in the town of lindos in particular there's a acropolis on the top of the hill and it's really hot in the summer so that tourists will pay you know some euros to sit on the back of the donkey and get carried those poor donkeys they just instituted a weight rule recently but you know they don't pay attention to that but uh, anyway, so the donkeys carry people up and down. And then in the winter, uh, you know, there are a few donkey enclosures, but some of the guys take their donkeys and just, you know, take them to a good tree in a, in a nice field and just tie it with a really long rope so it can, you know, be under the tree and you got some water and then it can just sort of have this sort of semi-free grazing. And uh, this guy did it actually, and this wasn't that long ago, it was probably 2013, 14. It's right when the economic situation was really bad in greece and uh, i mean it's still not great but anyway um like, like one day there was just no television like there's no warning but like the national tv all, <laughs> all that stuff was just gone didn't have any money for it uh anyway um yeah this guy parked his donkey uh in lindos at the bottom of a hill tied it to a tree and came back to check on it a couple days later, it was gone they found the head and a foreleg in a field a couple months i mean i just went into somebody's stew pot people were hungry you know, wow. that's, that's, the, that's the way some people cannot feed themselves. That's the way, you know, things are at the moment. Yeah. And, it, yeah. you know, those donkeys, like, I mean, I had had to be in a real, I, I don't know how hungry I'd have to be. Those aren't, those aren't appetizing looking dyke. I haven't looked at one of those donkeys in a like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, know? but they, they just eat grass though, right? It's, it's like, it'd be like a cow, no? I think it'd probably be a bit gamey. Have you ever eaten horse? I've never ate horse, no. I, I ate horse. I think the French eat horse. So when I was in France a long time ago, I tried it. It's absolutely disgusting. Really? It, ta it tastes like beef for a half for half a second, and it takes like this gamey left turn that I find like revolting. But I don't really like gamey stuff. But um, yeah, it's like it's like the difference between like if beef is Coca Cola. This is like Coca-Cola with a lot of aspartame. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's got like that. Yeah. Like it tastes like Coca-Cola yeah. at first, and then you're like, oh. Yeah, I hate that's, that taste. Yeah, that's what horse is, was like to me. It was like, oh, it kind of tastes like B.O. Oh. No. That's, that's... But, uh, but I imagine it would sort of taste something like that. Uh, goat tastes pretty good, though. Goat, goat is good. Rabbit is good. Well, rabbit uh, is like the best chicken I ever ate. Boar, yeah, boar is good. Uh, uh, frog. Frog yeah. legs is good, too. It tastes like I chicken. I did, did not enjoy frog legs. But like uh, I, I like the escargot, but probably because it's just the garlic butter. Because <laughs> what taste do those things really have? Uh, gator tastes good too. Yeah, I went to New Orleans. I had I had alligator and I had alligator sausage. The alligator sausage was not good, but the the actual alligator and snake was really was actually really good. Snake. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I thought snake was really good. I would eat snake again. I've never had snake before, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we talk about? Yes, sorry. <laughs> That's fine. Can we talk about Turkey? Yeah, yeah. Your experience there, and then obviously the the thing I sent you the other day. The... Oh, yeah, you want to talk about uh, Darren Kuyu, right? Kevin yeah, Kuyu. Darren Kuyu, and then any any other sites that you feel are interesting over there. You know, Turkey has a million really interesting sites, and unfortunately, it's not a good place to go to at the moment. Um, and uh, but it has. Can you name some so I can Google them? <laughs> name some what? Name some of the sites so I can Google them. Oh yeah, well of course Gebekli Tepe is is the big one. Oh really? Yeah, I forgot and that's over there. Yeah. There's actually a sister site right, very that's close bigger, to it called right? called Karahan Tepe, which is like two percent excavated, like or not even. I, I think Gebekli Tepe is only like five or ten percent excavated, and it's actually a bit disappointing because um, you know they built this horrible enclosure over it. Um, they've piled stuff up around a lot of the stone, like a lot of the really uh, iconic figures that you see on those stones, like the warthog or whatever it is underneath, like the turkey vultures. Uh, you can't even see it. Like all of that stuff's like obscured. They've piled stuff up against it. Like I don't know what they're doing. But I mean, I understand they don't want people walking through it, but they could like. I think somebody who's running that site needs to go to Malta and like walk through because that's restricted what you can walk through, but you, you can still enjoy the experience. What they've decided to do at Quebecli Tepe is like build a replica in the museum. So you could walk around. Like, I don't want to walk around a fucking replica in a museum. Like I didn't fly to Turkey to walk around a replica of a site that's 10 miles away. That's like one of the most interesting sites in the world. Yeah. You know, that might, that might satisfy somebody, but like, you know, I, I want to walk, I want to touch the stone, you know, so it's, that was, it was frustrating. And also because they, they detained me, but there's a lot of uh, sites there that are, are really uh, incredible. Uh, Darren Kuyu's one of them, but one of the things I realized when I was there is there are actually a lot of sites, a lot of really old T pillar sites. Yeah. You got uh, a, that, a thesis, right? Yeah. Uh, Ephesus. Yeah. Ephesus. They, I, I, there's so many sites there. Um, and then like the, like you were talking about Darren Kuyu, which are the, uh, it's a cave city. I mean, yeah, people that's, have seen yeah. ancient aliens. They've probably seen all about it. But I mean, that we don't even really know how old that is. But there was clearly a time when we needed to live underground or someone needed to live underground. And I think that's what's freaky about it, though, Luke, that it's like little people. And then in some of the areas, it's like giant Nephilim, like openings. You know, the ceilings are, are 12 foot high. The the you know the steps are 
Can I you think know, a, I think some of it may well be sound sound related. I haven't been there. I really wanted to go. I only had uh, one full day in Turkey just to see Gebekli Tepe at the end of uh, 2018 because I just after the Egypt tour I slammed through Gebekli Tepe and then Petra and then Baalbek just as like Oh, you've a, been to Petra? Yeah. Uh, just an add-on, and we literally had one day in each of those places. But I'm like, I don't know when I'm gonna, you know, have the time and what, whatnot. So I, I went, but it was incredibly cold. Like the visibility in Turkey was almost nil that day. It was like driving sleet and uh, and mist. So it was like really gray. All my pictures looked black and white. I actually had to to sort of colorize them so people would recognize it was Quebec. <laughs> Um, but it, you know, it's an amazing site. It's just almost everything is covered and, you know, I don't know that. And that site, you know, when we went November, it's even worse now because it's about, uh, 12 miles, I think from the Syrian border, like that town Idlib that they're bombing the fuck out of and killing people left. And they've been doing it for years too. That's right across the border on the other side from Quebec Tepe. So it's not a real good time to, to be an American uh, oh, gotcha. And uh, the State Department, when we went November 18, had a level four warning, which was don't go. You can go to like Istanbul, but don't go anywhere else. If you go anywhere else, especially down south, like we have no staff there and we're not going to come and get you. And that's what it said on the State Department website. And I was like, well, I don't I just looked at it. And I'm like, I don't see this getting any better, like in the near future. So I'm going to go look at Gabelka Tepe now and, and you know, get the fuck out. But I had these canopic jars in my bag from Egypt that um, were covered in uh, uh, verdigris. Um, you know, when copper oxidizes, again, we we're talking about that, it turns green. Mm-hmm. And these, like, you can you can do that. Like, you can make copper do that very quickly. It's, it's not really hard, yeah. but it makes something look really old. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I bought these four canopic jars because they look old and they're cool from a, a, a tiny little back alley vendor in egypt and he was telling me the story about how his no he was telling me like his grandfather made these you know 80 years ago or something and i'm like yeah i know you made these like 80 months ago but like i'm you know whatever (laughs) 18 bucks you know take my money and it was really the only thing i bought in egypt um and so i had those in my bag and then uh i got to turkey and we arrived in turkey there were four of us at that time and uh there was a problem. Like we got off there. It's a really San Liurfa is a really chintzy little, uh, little airport. And so we went into the baggage room, and there were our bags weren't there. And then they finally were like, "You have to come and get your bags." But uh, I'd gone to the bathroom, so I came back, and one of our crew was there with everybody's hand luggage, and everybody else had gone to get the bags. So I'm like, "I'll wait with the hand luggage. You go get the bags." And so then they came. Then I was chased out of that room. They were like, you ha- you can't be here anymore. And I'm like, well, what about all these bags? So I had to you know, go find a cart, and they let me put them on a cart and take them out of there. And then they were like – they came there like, no, they, they don't want everybody else. They want you. And I'm like, okay. And uh, there's another weird story about – that I was told in Egypt about me being on a list and all these problems I was going to have, which I didn't believe. But anyway, um, so I got into the this back room, and then they're like, open this bag. And I'm like, okay. And they go through and they're like, what's in this? And I'm like, oh, it's the canopic jars. So I'm not really expecting an issue. I just open them. I'm like, and they don't, one guy spoke marginal English. Nobody else did. And I don't speak any Turkish at all. And, um, and my SIM card wasn't working there. And uh, anyway, 
uh, they wanted to know about these canopic jars, and I'm trying to tell them that like these aren't old. They look old, but they're not really old. But he didn't believe me, so he gets on the phone with some guy at the archaeological museum who wants to see photographs. So now we got to photograph these fucking things and send pictures to the guy. And after about an hour, they were like, "Okay, you can go and take your your things." And I should have gotten something in writing, but I didn't. Anyway, we went to Gebekli Tepe, we went to the museum, we did all that stuff, and I was thinking maybe I should just stop at a post office and mail these so I don't have any more issues. But I didn't. And I Now, uh, that morning, uh, we were running a bit a little late, and the taxi was small, and so I got in a second taxi. Uh, the other guys were like five minutes ahead of me, and then my taxi couldn't get out of third gear. The back window didn't work. It was really cold. We were doing like 30 miles an hour. I'm like, oh, my God. So we got to the airport. I was really pretty late by this point. And it, like most of the airports in that region, they do a bag check. Like as soon as like you go in through the main doors and there's the x-ray machines. It's the same thing in Lebanon. It's the same thing in Egypt. They do it in a lot of – same thing in a lot of places. Um so I get in there, my bags go through immediately. There's like fucking, you know, flax and, well, you know, a wooga, you know, alarms and shit. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, and like the guys come over and they're like, you know, they're looking at the stuff and they're like hand grenade. They think it's like, they look like hand grenades. And I'm like, sweet oh, God, like, here geez. we go. I'm like, they're not, they're canopic jars. And so we, we take them out and we're looking at them and then nobody speaks English. And, you know, I, Anyway, so I'm trying with like this one guy had a phone that he was willing to try to one of the policemen because they switched me over immediately from the the security guys to the local policemen uh, who have an office right there. And one of them was he just kept shoving this phone in my face that said, where is the taste? Where is the taste? And I'm like, you know, sir, I wish I could answer this question for you, but I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm trying to – I'm saying, look, this isn't old. I explained all this to the guy when I came in the country. If you just find somebody from, like, the other office, you know, we can, like – and nobody speaks English. There's no effort made to find anybody. At this point, then they find, find like, a jar of those travel sweets that have, like, the white sugar in them. And the one guy opens it and spills, like, the white powdered sugar and then puts Oh, it God. It's not looking and good. And then, like, two minutes later – Another guy comes over and finds the powdered sugar, and he's, like, throwing his hands up in the air like, holy shit, you know, cocaine or whatever the fuck, which I've never done in my life. Anyway, so then they get out, and I'm like, it's it's fucking sugar. Like, and I'm like, you know. You're tasting it. It's like, this guy's a fucking crackhead. So they find they did actually. <laughs> one of them was like, oh, yeah, no, this is sugar. Like, he had obviously done some cocaine because he knew. And uh, <laughs> and anyway, they're, like, ripping my bags apart. Now everything that's, you know, from anywhere, uh, they took um, – you know, uh, uh, a, a thing I bought at the gift shop at Gebekli Tepe and the magnets and um, something Yusuf's wife had given me, which is clearly like a new statue uh, of Ptah that she had given me in Egypt and uh, a few other things. And they've got them all in his back office where I'm taken to and still nobody speaks English and they're filling out forms and taking pictures of everything. And they've got I'm told to sit in this chair. And they've got uh, a guy sitting in front of a window, like obviously bulletproof because it's about two inches thick. And inside that window is a tiny window with a, a latch on it. And every once in a while, somebody comes and knocks on that window and he opens it and this handgun gets passed in. And he takes the handgun, he takes the magazine out and he puts 
takes all the bullets out of the magazine and he puts them in a little plastic baggie with the magazine and puts it next to it. And the whole time this guy does this, every time he does this, he holds eye contact with me. He's not looking at the gun. He's not looking at the bullets. He's not looking at the fucking bag. He's just staring at me, like taking the bullets out of the gun. Like, and I'm just sitting there and I'm totally relaxed because I know I've done nothing wrong. I, I know this shit is new. I know like I haven't violated any crimes. I'm just totally relaxed. So this other guy comes in and uh, starts asking me questions, and I can't answer them because I don't speak Turkish. And so he leaves, and I'm sitting there. I got, I got my legs crossed. I'm just sitting there like I think I might even have my eyes closed. This guy comes in. He goes ape shit, and he shoves me like really hard so that I, like, I come off the chair. I manage to keep my balance, and he shoves me a couple more times, and he's screaming like in my face. And I'm like, I, I don't speak Turkish. And he stops, and he goes, oh. How are you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm great. I'm really great. You know, how are you? And uh, and then he disappeared. And so I'm sitting in there, I mean, an hour and a half, and just, you know, guys still filling out forms and taking pictures of all this stuff. And finally, one of the people that I was traveling with was like, where the hell is Luke? And she had a, a SIM card that worked. We did a thing where, like, I did uh, Lebanon, and someone did Turkey, and someone did... Uh, Jordan. Actually, we all did Jordan because they were super cheap. But anyway, um, so she found me. She came in. She has like Apple Translate on her fucking iPhone, which is like the only good thing I think about iPhones is that translation program is better than <laughs> Google Translate. And uh, she came in. She's from New Zealand. And so she came in. And I think like the Turks and the New Zealand, uh, the Kiwis have this thing. I think it's about Anzac, like in the Second World War, where like the Kiwis came and, and helped the Turks, you know, fight mm. the Italians. And a lot of them died on the beaches. And the Turks still remember that shit. And she came in and she's like, oh, I'm from New Zealand. And that's kind of Australian. But anyway, and she came in with her <laughs> phone and they're like, who are you? And she's like, I'm with him. And our, our other friends are outside. And they're like, you're with people? They had no idea. And what it turned out was after we, you know, we had the translation program and we were able to tell them that I brought this into the country and there was like documentation of it. And we walked over there and we, you know, got on the phone to somebody else and they came back. And then the one guy, he was angry about it. But he was like, pack up your shit and get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, okay. That's it. Really? So I, All that yes, bullshit yeah. So, well, that's not really where it ends because we had oh, to catch more. a flight from there to Ankara. So we flew to Ankara where we were catching a flight to Jordan. And when we got to Ankara, I was like, I'm not doing this again. I am like, there's always a post office in an airport. I'm like, I'm mailing all this shit right now. So I took, I took the canopic jars, the statue of Ptah that Patricia had given me, even the, the, the magnets and the little replica T shaped thing. And this little, like, I don't know, fucking uh, llama looking thing with no <laughs> legs that I bought at the Gebekli Tepe souvenir shop. In an effort, I figured I'll put this in with the canopic jars so they understand this is just tourist shit. So uh, and that, that didn't work. Anyway, so I found the post office. I took – like I opened my bags. I got all like my fucking dirty clothes and underwear I wasn't going to wear again until I got home. And I wrapped this stuff in it, sealed it in plastic, put it inside the, the DHL box. You know, The guy taped it all up, paid him 70 euros or whatever it was to send that shit home. And then went and tried to get on a plane to, to Jordan. So we got down to the counter. They're like, uh, no, you haven't paid for your flights. And now I booked this with two of my friends. Two of the three friends I was traveling with, we booked – like I booked the hotel rooms. My friend booked the flights, and then we, like, we all evened it out later. 
So I'm like, uh, Marie? And she's like, no, I pay for it. I got the receipt here, like from the tour, the travel agency. And I got it like all here, all the receipts. And they're like, no, you haven't paid for it. So then we <laughs> called the travel agency. So we got the travel agency on the phone and travel agency are like, yep, we've got everything there. And they wouldn't talk to the travel agency. So I'm like, is, is the flight full? And they're like, no. And I'm like, great. You know, here's my credit card. Put the three of us on this flight. And then you guys, you and the travel agency, one of you guys is getting a bill. And like, we'll sort it out. Like either all, you know, through my credit card company or whatever. And they're like, okay. So then we're waiting and like the plane is getting closer to takeoff and we haven't even checked in. We're still waiting for our tickets and everything. And we're like, what's going on? They're like, well, we're waiting for you to get permission to get on the plane. And I'm like, what? Like in, in what? Uh, what reality do I need a, a permission to buy a ticket to get on a plane? Like, do, do, don't people just buy tickets here and get on airplanes? Like, you know what the fuck's going on? They wouldn't. They wouldn't answer us. So finally, they were like, "Okay, go and get on the plane." And but they wouldn't. They claimed we hadn't paid, but they wouldn't let us buy new ones. So we go down to the other ticket, you know, off the check-in booth, and they're like, "No, you haven't paid." And I'm like, "Look, you people need to sort this out." Like, I don't know what the fucking problem is, but. They're saying yes. You're saying no. Somebody do something because the plane's going to take off. So they called the other and they're like, okay, go get on the plane. So we got on the fucking plane and, and we got the fuck out of Turkey. And uh, I had to fly back through Turkey, which was, was a real bummer. But um, when I got back to the States, uh, about three days after I got back to the States, that package arrived. But it, it wasn't a package. There were like two strips of cardboard inside like another plastic bag and the remnants of everything – that I had put in, they literally they x-rayed everything with a fucking hammer. They smashed every yeah. object that was in there. I had these, um, there was one other thing I bought for my, my mom, uh, from Egypt. They smashed that. They smashed the head off of the statue of Ta. Uh, they broke, uh, the magnets, you know, they broke the little T pillar facsimile. Like they, and they tried to break the canopic jars, but the metal was too uh, – so they just dented them. But like I honestly, I couldn't – like they vindictively went out of their way to smash everything that yeah. was in that box. Just and like, then they mailed you the pieces. That's and then they mailed me the pieces. Like here's your, here's your fucking stuff and don't come back. Here are your cocaine jars, bro. And <laughs> so that was like – my uh, – and I, I know a couple of people who've had – since then, I've talked to a couple of people who've had – similar experience and they're like you're really lucky your friends were there because they were about to levy you with the big bribe and it was going to come down to ah oh, this is a very big problem they knew they made no effort to speak english they knew none of those things were old but they were going to well you know you can spend some time here in jail and get a lawyer and sort all that shit out or you know you can uh, make a donation uh you know wow, and be, be on your way and so I would very much recommend – like I go everywhere by myself generally. Sometimes I go with friends, but I, I've never been afraid to go somewhere by myself. But I would recommend bringing a friend to Turkey. And like there's a – it's an amazing you know, uh, cultural wonderland uh, once you get into the ruins and stuff there. And I'd, I'd love to go and do – but I think I'll be going with, with a few few people. <laughs> yeah, from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, maybe from New Zealand. That's Take crazy. Your, are there any ancient sites in Australia? Um, I think there, there are. Um, you know, I think there's a lot. They're discovering that the Aboriginals are very old, much older than, you know, than had been supposed uh, by our science anyway. Because I think they've always sort of thought of themselves as the original people. 
But um, there are, of course, the Gosphic glyphs that some people are say are, are hoaxes. But there are, you know, ancient uh, sites there that are, you know, maybe Neolithic and, and older. You know, the sacred Aboriginal sites. But I don't, I don't know of any uh, pyramids. There is a strange. Uh, there's one building that's was part of a church for a while that looks kind of megalithic. I forget the name of it. Yeah, I'm looking right now. There doesn't really seem to be that all yeah. that many. There's a couple things in New Zealand that look pretty interesting. There's a wall in New Zealand out in the out in the forest that looks uh, pretty megalithic. Well, it's like what we were talking about the Bosnian pyramids mm-hmm. or, or quote unquote pyramids. Yeah. Uh, it's like there's these weird structures we were talking about antarctica these yeah. weird structures in antarctica that resemble pyramids yeah. but they say they're mountains right but at the same time it's like all the, like all the mountains. all the continents were jumbled up together at one point i mean it's and, you know it's under it's under ice and snow so a lot of it who knows but if you a lot of those things that they say are pyramids if you look at them they're like three-sided pyramids, which would be very unusual. I mean, all of our pyramids that we've built are four-sided. Well, that's the thing. I think I think the uh, Antarctic ones, uh, Antarctic uh, uh, pyramids. I I think they're actually uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, they're four-sided. <clears throat> four-sided. Yeah, I think I think I don't know. I don't know if those are natural or not. I mean. They, I tend to suspect they are, but who knows? And maybe yeah, some, of them, are, who and knows? some of them aren't. And I, I think that there's a lot of stuff to discover there. And actually, it seems like I saw something recently that there's actually been, they were saying for a long time there hadn't been a significant ice melt there despite global warming. But I saw something uh, very recently which showed uh, a pretty significant yeah, ice melt. Yeah, I saw it as well. And a lot of, a lot of now actually liquid water it might be possible to go and take a look at some of that stuff. I mean, if it were allowed. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's it's you know it's very restricted, and well, that's what the flat earthers say, right? That's the edge of the world, but there's a lot more <laughs> beyond that. Once you get over the barrier, that's where yeah. Atlantis yeah. or I don't know whatever else is. I don't. Yeah, mean it's the ice the wall, right? But again, stuff that I can't prove. I've never been there. No, nope. I've never been to outer space. And it's that's a tough one. You pretty much have to take your have your own boat because any sightseeing Antarctic tour is not going to go anywhere near any of the places you're not allowed to go. You've so, never been there, right? No. There's a lot of places I haven't been. I've been to a lot of places, but there are so, there's so many places that even though like I I read about this stuff and I look at this stuff and I research it all the time and I talk to other people, I still like you know a couple times a month I'm like, where is that? Oh yeah. I know. That's why every time I hear about a new place, I'll like text him, be like, "Hey, do have you do anything about this place?" <laughs> and some I do, and some I don't. Because I like, I love that, you know, all these crazy sites. Because it's not just it's not just uh, Egypt, but it's like that Varankuyu place. Uh, you know, just tunnels, these weird mm-hmm. tunnels, and just like in Egypt. Hey, and there's miles. I've just I'm doing this video now on the Step Pyramid of Zoser, and. Uh... It's like seven kilometers of tunnels underneath that thing that we know about. They're still discovering them. When seven I was there, what? Kilometers? Seven levels. 
sorry, oh. there's there's six levels that we know about, but seven kilometers of tunnels underneath that pyramid. Is and that the it, one that you told me where the guy was like, no, you're on level, yes. you're still on level two, and it's like, no, I was on level four or something like that, some weird, yeah. weird thing going on. Yeah, that's the one where I was I was told a I was told a story about the green statues of followers of Toth from across the sea that were oh, down yeah. there on the the supposed eighth level. And you know who knows? There was a lot of stuff under there that uh, I certainly didn't get to see. They were they were really cool though, and they let us go down into the fifth level where they had some uh, some incredible boxes with high tech machine tool marks on them, and um, and then there was a tunnel you crawl into and it led to a, a hole that with a rope dangling down you know 20 feet or so into the sixth the sick level they had just discovered a few months beforehand yeah it's... and there's a lot a lot of the tunnels i saw in there are only partially excavated i mean they'll be under there forever and uh you know that whole area in saqqara is riddled and the same with the giza plateau and possibly all the way down the old um nile path where all the pyramids are in that sort of line down the old Nile. But it's possible you might be able to get all the way from Abu Rawash in the north, you know, down to somewhere, maybe Maidum even. That, no, that, a, was, that was one large city at some point, all the way from Abu Rawash in the north, all the way down to Maidum was, was one large city complex. It's so massive. It's just, it staggers the mind. And yet they had that set up. Uh, even before the third dynasty, they apparently had a, a system of quarries set up to not just everywhere within Egypt that, where you would get this, these different types of stone, but but also uh, Sudan and Nubia and even Lebanon. Like, they're, how are you establishing a quarry system? They don't even have that now in Egypt. How were they establishing a quarry system centuries before they even had the ability to quarry those types of stone? The whole thing is preposterous. Like our history is just wrong. It's yeah, and they don't want to. Uh, <laughs> they don't want to admit it. That I get, wrong. I get so worked up. Yeah, they uh, don't want to admit it. That, that's what again. Why the such the host the we talked about this the hostility against all that. Yeah. And uh, you know the dogma and stuff, but. You know, I mean, I understand like at some point it's just frustrating for them. They feel like they've had the same discussion. They feel like they've maybe they even feel like they've lost the same argument a hundred times. But, you know, that one of the things that comes up all the time is, is the Sphinx, was it was it a lion or was it a jackal? And, you know, I think there's uh, several really good reasons uh, apart from my phone. To Does it matter? That was a lion. Hey, it might matter. But no, I mean, I think the only part of that argument that really matters is that obviously the head wasn't human. You know, it's been re redone at a later time. So, but it's to me that's a lion, and there's a there are early statues uh, of the lion with uh, fourth dynasty writings. Um, Wait, so the face isn't of a human; it's an animal. The face is now a human, but it was redone probably in the fourth dynasty. If you look at the size of the head, it's way too small. For the rest of the body, there's no yeah, way. Yeah, it looks odd. It looks yeah. There's odd. there's no way, and it's it's had a lot of damage in the past too, and so probably at some point half of the face just fell off, and you've got like this semi headless statue, and then somebody was like, I'm gonna you know make it look like the pharaoh or some. That's the story, and then you know it ended up with a, a face that looked like a fourth dynasty face, 
with the headdress, supposedly. Um, yeah, but yeah. Are tro- as I, I named that other episode the Egyptians, the trolls of the ancient world or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's something. Because they're just trolling everybody, they, man. They, like, you know, a lot of those explanations they give for stuff, that's what I was saying. I think it is, you know, I think they were, yeah, go back to Greece. Do it this way. I remember I had a... My great uncle was in the, the British Navy in the World War II. And he was actually in convoy PQ-17, which was like, I don't know, I can't even remember how many ships, but all but three of them were sunk by the, the U-boats. And his his ship painted it. They painted their ship white, and they hid in the ice flows. They were taking munitions to Russia, and they were one of three ships uh, to, to survive. But I remember him telling me a story of, I think back before the Second World War, maybe it was after, I don't know, <clears throat> that the, uh, the Japanese... It must have been before the Second World War. The Japanese had contracted the British Admiralty to provide them with plans for uh, battleships. And so they would send out plans for battleships or destroyers or whatever it was. And the Japanese would go, "Mm, yeah, don't really like this one. And they'd send it back, and then they'd go ahead and fucking build it anyway. And uh, so the Brits caught on that they were doing this, so they started sending them, like, top-heavy designs. (laughs) <laughs> and I like I don't know if that story is true, but uh, but it, it that to me is is almost what I could see the ancient Egyptians doing. Yeah, this is this is this is how we did that. And then they yeah up, yeah they try to carve something in the stone with that, and they're like, "Fuck, how did they do this? I yeah, can't do it." Throw, and then you feel inferior. You feel like an idiot. Yeah, um, we talk about the Olmec heads because you were telling me some. But, but maybe stuff. also the Egyptians didn't know any more themselves because yes, they adopted it, everything. Yeah. So yeah, the Olmec heads. Yeah, uh, the ones in Mexico, you were telling me some yeah. stuff about that, which is, these things are weird, man. They are weird, and it, that's, I think, what I was saying is that, you know, the Olmecs, that's what we call them, because we don't, we don't, we have no idea what they called themselves. That's not that uncommon, with, I guess, with those really ancient cultures, but we know literally nothing about them, so some of the ancient stuff just sort of gets gets given to them, because maybe they were around, but really nobody nobody knows. I mean, you look at Teotihuacan. They've done some, I I think, insufficient testing on you know some of the uh, the stone there, and because that the obviously that's over generations that's rebuilt and new layers. And as they repair and take stuff, they're like, oh my god, look at all these carvings. Look at the heads of Quetzalcoatl and stuff. That none of that stuff, like at Chichen Itza, was apparent until they renovated it because it had been buried under later renovations. You know by the you know, by the mines, by the Aztecs, in that case, by themselves. So, like, even the Aztecs didn't know who built Teotihuacan. You know, the the the, the way that pyramid is built, there were really fine, really large, fine layers of mica, you know, built into, you know, the levels of that pyramid. Like, why would you do that? I mean, we use mica today. It's kind of valuable, and, um, you know, we use it in electronic and insulation and, and what have you. Uh, why were they putting an entire layer of this, you know, over their pyramid? It's crazy. They knew I, some stuff. They dude. knew some like, stuff, and nobody knows who built those. And those those are around for a long time, whether it was the Olmec or, or whoever. I, you know, it's just another thing I think is older than we think it is. Aren't those the ones in that movie, the the Atlantis movie, the Disney movie? I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, that's another ancient site. That's crazy. Uh. But, yeah, so, but so I find many... it, I find it's weird how this stuff creeps into to pop culture, and I mean it's everything from like if you see Star Wars and they've got like at the end like the, you know the 
the, the rebel spaceships are coming out from the bottom of pyramids in the Yucatan, you know, I mean, that's where all that stuff, they filmed all that stuff. And, and, um, and I've noticed in a lot of star Wars movies, there's like, they, somebody is making sure to put like megalithic old interlocking stuff in the background of some of these, you know, these ancient sites on various planets. And I always had a little chuckle about that stuff. Well, that's the thing about these, if you want to call them the reptilians, they know, and they just, put it in our faces and they laugh at us because they know they probably know a lot more than they're telling us and you know they do it on purpose yeah i just i don't know i haven't I mean, there was a time like in the 90s uh when all that sort of um roswell stuff was blowing up again and um and the guy came out he used to work at s4 uh bob lazar and he oh did yeah those, uh, TV and radio interviews back in the day, and that really kind of stoked my interest again. In um, and, you know, so I was kind of interested in that stuff. But I, you know, I've seen some of the the YouTube documentaries and stuff, but I've, I've never, I've never really spent a lot of time diving into the the reptilian thing or the blue bird. Like I try, I've got some friends who really like uh, Gaia, and they like that Corey. What's Corey Good? I think his name is, and he talks about you know, our space, our real space program and the blue avians who are helping us and other, I, I don't know. And like, I just kept falling asleep. Like I was, I tried and then so I, I like roped a couple friends in, come over, let's watch this together. And I just, I couldn't <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I couldn't get through. Like, I think I made it like four and a half episodes into the first season of my, my other friends were like, no, you've got to get to season one. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. So what are your what's your take on on extraterrestrials? I well, I you know I think uh, mathematically they you know they exist and I, I think they've probably been here and I think I said this they they probably I this this place is probably like uh, you know alien Disneyland or alien <laughs> Vegas like I'm sure they come here and they they've got pretty good skin suits and they get fucked up and they you know or maybe they really are evolved and they're they're just taking notes i you know possibly mark zuckerberg is an alien he's he's a he's a weird looking guy i don't know you know possibly who knows i mean they live is a great movie i love that movie it's been one of my my favorite i i've got a soft spot for john carpenter like in the late 70s early 80s he made like four or five great movies and they live although the ending's not not great but they live as a fabulous movie and you know, i could kind of see you know, something like that happen i just i choose not to believe or i choose not to live in a world where i believe in that until i see some some real proof of it because that that's going to take you to a, a really dark place if you're going to believe that there are you know these reptilian overlords who are just fucking us on every level imaginable and there's nothing we can do about it and there there are overlords like you know if i'm going to live in that reality i need to fucking see it and that that's really how it's not it's not less that i don't believe it could be true it's just that like i i really need to see all of that i mean and people will look at the world and look at what's going on in yemen and say and yeah it's fucked up but i think you know we're aggressive angry nasty little monkeys and and that's what we do and that's i think really hopefully extraterrestrials are sitting there thinking you know Man, they're they're getting closer to figuring it out. You know, what can we do to like, you know, 
nudge them along if they're if they're allowed to do that. Because you know, we're, there's we're we're a dead end if we're going to continually, you know, harvest to the point of hoarding and destroying, and if we're continually going to, you know, fight over sharing, you know, if we can't conquer our base instincts, we're fucked. You know, and maybe that's the problem with this experiment is that there's there's too much animal and not enough spirit. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe the body needs to be lighter. And I mean that in like an energetic sense, not in a weight sense. I don't know. You know, the vessel is flawed. The vessel is clearly flawed. But maybe you know, obviously that's part of the deal here. You know, the the vessel is flawed. So you know, I know there's too many questions. I'm not I'm not smart. I don't think humans are smart and I don't think we're meant to understand. Well, it's like that quote by Albert Einstein, you know, you can't figure uh, paraphrasing, you can't figure out something from the same consciousness that was it, it was created by. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think you said that last time, and I think I said last time where you know our science is always <laughs> going to fail because we're in the petri dish. You can't yeah. study something from inside the petri dish. Well, I I always think to myself, you know, the more I look into all the stuff, it's like. What if there isn't anything else and this is it and there's no spirituality, there's no religion and there's nothing after we die. It's just. Well, I think there is spirituality regardless of whether there's anything else. Well, but you, you can't but really think, speak I answer on that. that. I answer you to that. You can't really well, speak on that, Luke, because you. My answer to that, though, really, Juan, it, it's <laughs> if, it, to your what if, if there's nothing else, how blessed is that how beautiful is that really like there's nothing else when you when you go to sleep and you don't dream or you don't remember your dreams is it terrible when you don't know that you are how is it does it hurt no is it stressful no it's okay it's safe to die everything is safe it's all safe it's all part of the the procedure whether there's something else or not it's safe this is how it is so if there's nothing else, enjoy your time here. Help others enjoy their time yeah. here. Don't be an yeah. asshole. I mean, you know, it's still fun and necessary to be an asshole sometimes. But, yeah. you know, don't be a chainy. I, uh, yeah, I believe in, in karma and stuff. You know, t- like today, today I helped somebody out. I gave them a jump start. Nobody was helping her out. And I That's gave her a jump start. You know how much, like, that helped her day? And she probably did something else. I was at a gas station the other day, and I was getting gas. And this woman, you know, nice-looking SUV, older woman, looking quite tired, and she she looked terrible. And I asked her how she was doing, and she's like, "I'm uh, coming back from my chemo treatments, and I left my fucking ATM card at home, and I'm out of gas." She didn't ask me for anything. I gave her ten bucks for gas. And I don't. I, you know what? I don't care if it's a story. I don't care if she had. You know, if, if she didn't leave her ATM card at home, you know, someone asked me for help. It's not like money is like the smallest help, you know. Yeah, because that obviously can't buy happiness. You got all these but, people who have everything and they like still it, kill themselves. You know, if she was, you know, I ran the same thing in, in, in Thailand. A guy who was didn't have money, was standing outside a clinic and was ill and didn't have money for, you know, a bus ride home. You know, I. People, if people ask me for water, I will always give them water. Like depending on you know who they are and what they look like, I might not buy them food, but I will always give people water. I mean, it's I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't even know what, what we're talking about anymore. But <laughs> about how I said, well, there's nothing else, and yeah, yeah, and because I just think about it, dude. Like I think there so is everything else. I think it's not just. This is what I realized in my very first, you know, NN DMT experience was that it's not just we're in a box, and there's a lot of interesting stuff in this box. But outside of this box is not something else. It's everything else. Everything else is out there. It's all. It's all there, and it's. I think it's all, you know, mysterious and amazing. And yeah, that's the thing. You've done all these psychedelics, and you've seen some crazy shit. Well, there you have it. That was Luke Williamson. This is actually a recording that was like three and a half hours, four hours long, and I broke it up in two separate episodes. Check out next week. It's got a, it's a different episode by itself, but it's actually the second part of this conversation. Make sure to check that out. Make sure to check out Luke's work on YouTube. Make sure to follow us on social media at the Juan Juan Podcast. Shoot me an email if you want to be on the show or if you want us to cover anything. The Juan Juan Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, thank you for the support. I appreciate the good criticism, bad criticism, whatever criticism. And until next time.